Welcome back to the YM Kansas City podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about big decisions and how we make them as Christians, about missions and calling. Um, and we're going to take some of the questions that you guys submitted. Um, I'm Phil Dosa. I'm a new staff here at YM Kansas City on the media team. And today we have Dan Bauman. He's uh, been a missionary for over 30 years working with YWAM. And uh You've said that you faced death six times. Yeah. And uh, so he's got, he's been teaching here on the DTS this week, and he has just a crazy list of stories that he's been sharing with us. And I'm just like blown away at some of the crazy things that you've experienced and witnessed in those 30 plus years. And uh, I, there's no way we can get into all those stories today and cover all of them in this podcast. Um, we're going to link one of them that you shared this week, um, the one of where you were in prison um, in Iran. We recorded it, and we're going to post it. So if you guys want to check that out, we'll put a link down below. And then Dan actually has three books um, where he outlines um, more of those stories. And uh, I'll put links to your books down below as well. Great. So if you like what you hear today, you should definitely go and check out those books. And um, yeah, we're excited. Uh I can't say though, like even if you read his books and you watch that video, like you should also consider doing a DTS and coming and hearing because it's just been amazing to hear from you, hear about your friendship with with Jesus and where it's taken you. Um, it's been amazing having you here. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So, um, wanted to just ask you a couple questions uh, talking about missions, um, but I want to start off. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to make decisions uh, what to do with their life. Maybe they're graduating from high school. Should I go to college? Um, they're thinking through these big decisions. We have a lot of decisions in life, small and big. Um, how do you, or how would you suggest Christians approach making those big decisions? Well, obviously I don't know people's own journey. So yeah, everyone's going to maybe be a bit of a unique story. But basically, yeah, the Christian life is not about what you're going to do and not about where you're going. The Christian life is about who you're getting to know. And the reality is most of our decision-making problems have come up because we want to know where we're going and what we're going to do. And Jesus wants to switch the tables on that to where it's more about who you're getting to know. And if that becomes a switch then what you do and where you go becomes less important, less heavy, less crazy. And that's just a journey, and it's a journey of becoming overwhelmed by Jesus. And that has been one of the most beautiful things in my own journey, where I'm discovering who Jesus is again and again. Like, what would we do right now if Jesus walked through the door? And if he walked in right now, I don't think any of us would be thinking about tomorrow. We wouldn't have been thinking about yesterday. We wouldn't be worrying about what we're going to do, where we're going to do it. Why? Oh, it's Jesus. We're like in a moment with Jesus walking in the door. All that matters is Jesus. And the reality is, is that he's with us. So the Christian life is getting consumed with the reality that he's with us. And he's so good and so really, really good that when you get that, it becomes less, less of a big deal where you're going to go and what you're going to do. 
because you're overwhelmed or who you're with. And so that's really helped me in a lot of decision-making in my life. Just the knowledge that I'm with Jesus and I can trust him. When you trust God, you're willing to make mistakes. When you trust God, you're willing to fail. When you trust God, you're okay if it doesn't seem like all ironed out. Control is probably one of the biggest challenges that we face. And we walk into areas of control because we just want to know what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how will it be provided for financially. And the reality is, is that if we trust God, we're willing to make a mistake. We're willing to step forward. We're willing to take a risk. And I've had thousands and thousands of decisions throughout my life where I have over time just really began to realize that him being with me and him helping me is really uh, the key to decision making. It's not about how to make a clear decision. The problem is, why do we want a clear decision? That's the greater problem. And we usually want it because we don't want to fail. We usually want it because we want to do the right thing. And where that is, is a place in our hearts that God just wants to meet us. He wants to overwhelm us. He wants to meet us. And the more I'm overwhelmed by Jesus, the more I trust him. The more I trust him, the more I'm willing to step out and take a risk, step out into the unknown, step out into what seems uncomfortable. Why? Because I'm with him and he's with me. And that's really the essence of decision making. Yeah, so I I love that. Just this sense of, yeah, maybe the decision doesn't matter as much as we think it does. <clears throat> in context to the relationship with Jesus, that what, what we do this year, I think you're right. If Jesus was to walk in the room, I'd have more questions for him than what I'm going to, whether I should go to college or not. You know, I'd be interested in learning about him. So yeah, that's good. Um, what does that look like? If let's say you're 18 years old, you're a Christian, you read your Bible, you go to church and you, you have to make a decision. Am I going to college or am I going to do something else in my life, go get a job. And, you know, college is expensive today. <laughs> Got to get a lot of debt. Walk me through, like, if you're having to go through that decision again, what does that look like with your relationship with Jesus? Is it like, um, doesn't matter if you go to college or not? Doesn't matter if you, like, how do you, are you hearing God? Is there wisdom involved? What, what would that process look like for you um, if you were going through it? Yeah, obviously, I think everyone will have their own unique journey. Um, In my journey, it probably started six months before I graduated from high school, where the reality of the freedom to kind of do what you want, be 18, travel the world, go to college, get a job, becomes more real. For me, my Christian life, both then and now, has all been about living in the now, like right now. So the more I walk with Jesus, the more I don't want to miss today. And so decisions about the future become less and less important, less and less real. I don't think about tomorrow much. I don't think about the future much. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. And I'm grateful. Like, I'm grateful to God that he's with me. So what would I say to a high schooler? I would be like, The number one thing is, how are you in Jesus, you know? Are you aware that he's crazy about you? Are you aware that he 
has better things for you than you could ever think of having for yourself? Are you aware that he can't stop thinking about you? And so if we're in that place where we're aware of what God's thinking about us, we're going to care less what wondering what we're going to do next. We're going to wonder less about where we're going to do it. If I go to college, if I don't go to college, at the end of the day, what really matters? Yeah, and I've had to learn that. I did a year with YOMDTS. God did say go study business, so I went to four years of college. But I realized doing a DTS, going to college, or whatever anyone is going to do after 18 is not the main question. The main question is, do I get to do it with God and do I get to walk with him? And then there's a trust that starts to develop whatever we're going through in life. So, yeah, I would simply challenge a young person if they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next, that they're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, I, I went to college, did four years, and then worked a job for a while, and then got into missions. And, it, and all of those things, including missions, never really satisfied me, never really made me feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in the right place. And I, I just realized this last year that there's nothing I can do that's going to make me feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be other than recognizing that God loves me. And so I think you're you're right on there. It's it's a challenging thing to figure out, though, you know, even in the today, what, what do I do with my time? How do I approach, you know, all the decisions? We're constantly bombarded with decisions. Yeah, I know. It's very, very real to live in the moment. It's very, very real to, yeah, not know what to do next and have people always asking that question. What are you doing next? And where are you going to get the money? And why don't you know? And when are you going to have a decision? And there's this like growing tension within <clears throat> to have to figure it out. But again, if you couple that with what it, would you do if Jesus walked through the door, this getting overwhelmed by who Jesus is, wow, it answers a lot of questions. It, it, it helps relieve a lot of the stress. It helps relieve a lot of the things. And it causes me to realize that yeah, I'm giving in to trying to worry about all that, but I don't really need to be. And that's the, that's the journey we're on, that we can trust him more. Yeah, totally. So I uh, was recently reading a study um, put out by Barna about the future of missions. <coughs> and uh, they were asking uh, young people, you know, are you interested in going to missions? These are active Christians, um, active believers. And they asked them, you know, what would influence your decision to get into missions? Like a lot of them actually said they were willing or they were open to the idea, um, but they weren't saying that they were going to become missionaries. And they asked the question, what would influence you? What would cause you to want to become a missionary or cause you increase your chance of becoming a missionary? And the number one response was a sense of calling, a sense of saying, I feel called to go into missions. I feel called to this nation. I feel called to do this thing. So I'm curious, as someone who's been in missions for 30 years and interacted with countless missionaries, what do you feel, how do you feel about this idea of calling, this idea of, of you need a call to be a missionary? Yeah, again, I can be wrong or just sharing my own journey. But the reality is, for me, is that the word missionary is every Christian. Every Christian has a mission. 
I think we put it off on this international thing that some people do to do missions. What is doing missions? It's basically living your Christian life. So I think every Christian is a missionary. It just depends where they do it. And the challenge is, in the body of Christ, is because we've made it a thing, like you're either a missionary or not, or can you go do missions, that if you feel like you're not supposed to, you're like off the hook. Like you shouldn't do missions or you're not doing it. That's for others. So then you just want to support those that are. And it becomes this weird dualism that's not godly. At the end of the day, every Christian should be a missionary. Every Christian has a mission. And it's just a matter of where you're going to do that. And so, yeah, are you going to do missions where you're living? Or are you going to do it in a different country? Are you going to do it in a different city? And then during that time, is, are you going to occupy your time with doing something else? So with that comes calling to where, yeah, to be honest, I just don't think our calling is that important. Our specific calling is basically where God wants you to live and what he wants you to do, which is really minor because wherever you are and whatever you're doing, your life is to talk about Jesus, think about Jesus, tell everybody else about Jesus, want to help people find Jesus. And this thing about wanting to figure out your calling becomes a huge distraction. It becomes like, I want to know what I'm doing, where I'm going, what is my calling. It's too much my in there, too much I. What should I do? What do I need to be doing? And God wants to so blow us away by how good he is that the word I and me and my becomes less in our vocabulary. Why? Because we're overwhelmed by God. And the more you're overwhelmed by God, it doesn't matter where you are. So what is your calling? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know what my calling is. I don't have a calling. I've never had a calling. I've walked with Jesus, and I try to do the next thing he tells me and do it in the place he tells me. But most of the Christian life is just loving him and loving everybody else. And it just happens to be that it changes location sometimes. But my calling becomes less and less important when I focus on how beautiful Jesus is. If you want to say it another way, all of our calling is to love God and love people. All of our calling is to be a missionary. All of our calling is to help people find God. And so the specifics of that, let God determine it day by day, but it really, really doesn't matter. Because whatever I am, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to just keep falling in love with him and do what he says. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say and what I'm tracking on here is, just this idea that we're trying to make sure we don't fail. We're trying to make sure that we know what's coming. And it's easier to say, I don't feel called to be a missionary. All of a sudden, yeah, I'm off the hook. I don't have to worry about that. Basically, in the end, we're, we're trying to control our lives and, and make our lives something that is failure-proof and puts us in this position where we're feeling like we can do what we're supposed to do. We can show up and, and be enough each day. And what I'm hearing you say is that that position is really, it's not opening ourselves up to a loving God who is crazy about us, just wants to spend time with us, just wants to be with us. And that the getting off the hook, we're getting off the hook of something really amazing. And it's not a, that everyone's called to go do missions in Africa, but we all, all called, like you said, love God and love people. We're all called to know God. 
And so for a lot of people, these questions kind of stand between us and knowing God. We think it's about where I live. We think it's about a sense of, am I called or not? And we're all stressed about that, all worried about that, when the reality is we just, we're meant to just be friends with God and, and be with God. Yeah, I mean, it's very much how I see it. And that's why I go back to what I shared earlier, that the Christian life is not about where you are or what you're doing. It's about who you're getting to know. And the more it is about who I'm getting to know, my calling, what it, wherever it came from, in, you know, in the lingo of the world, uh, it didn't come from God. <laughs> like, it's, it's just not that important to him. Why? Because he loves us and he's for us and he's going to be with us. And so the more I just let that go, and what's behind this determination to know my calling is I want to know where I fit. I don't want to fail. I want to please people who are asking the questions, what are you doing? I want it to feel like I'm doing something important or something right. And it's all identity stuff that Jesus wants to meet by his presence. And that is changing my world. So my calling is to be his kid. And it will never get greater than that. Yeah, I was, I was actually looking recently at the word calling in the Bible, and I, was, I wasn't able to find, uh, there might have been one example that was kind of halfway, but I think I wasn't able to find an example of calling being used about where or what you're supposed to do. It was about being called into God's kingdom, about being called his sons and daughters, that sense of calling. So I think, you know, I think you're right on that. You know, you've talked this week about how um, we approach Christianity really sometimes in a, a skewed way. It's not really... It's, it's much more simple. We're just meant to be friends with God and love Him and, like you said, love people around us. Yeah, it's really that simple. And may we constantly become aware of why that simplicity is actually best for us. And I've seen that throughout my life, that the more I keep it simple, the more I just simply love God, love people. Wow. I find out almost by surprise, I'm right in the center of His will, I'm right in the center of my calling. I'm right in the center of what he's called me to do. And yet those words grow with less and less meaning. Why? Because it's who I'm with. And I just enjoy being with God wherever I am. Yeah, I, I almost get this sense that if it's starting to get complicated, it's because we're scared of the simple reality of just being with him. And that we, we haven't figured that out yet. So... Yeah, fair enough. You know, we can have our interests and desires, especially when we're younger, about what we're going to do with our life and what does the future hold. But all of that needs to funnel back into the simplicity of simply being with God. And the reality is, is that if my worrying about the future robs me of today, that's a problem. And so, yeah, I'm learning to not think about the future. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do next. I'm not thinking about my calling. Why? Because I want to get overwhelmed by Jesus today. And all of life is, is a bunch of todays. That's all our whole life is. And so God wants us to live in the now, enjoying Jesus and following him. And then we'll get to do that again and again and again until we go to heaven. Yeah, it's amazing. So uh, we had some questions submitted uh, from our Instagram audience. Great. If you don't follow us on Instagram, go follow us on Instagram, YMKC. Um, one of the questions was, what is your favorite Middle Eastern dish? 
Wow. Uh, for sure, Middle Eastern is a funny word, right? <laughs> where, where, where is the Middle East <clears throat> exactly? Um, my favorite Middle Eastern food would be kubadeh, which would be an Iranian dish, which is their rice, which is uh, kind of has a tinkling of butter on top. And it's ground beef in a skewered, cooked uh, kebab type way. It's fantastic. They Sounds also amazing. have a grilled tomato that they put on top as a garnish. It's fantastic. And yeah, it's definitely my favorite food from the Iranian side. But then the Lebanese food would be definitely the highlight of traditional Middle Eastern food. And yeah. So, but I, I like it all. Love the bread, love the meat. Yeah, it's amazing. I lived in <laughs> I lived in Turkey for two years. A Dana kebab is one of my favorites. Oh, nice. I don't know if you've had that one before. Um, another question we had was, why have you stayed? You've been with YWAM now for over thirty years. Why would why have you stayed with YWAM that long? Um, yeah, when I joined, I heard that after twenty five years, you would get full retirement. <laughs> So I thought, yeah, I think it'd be the best financial way to go forward. And that's a joke. <laughs> uh, no, I never heard that. I haven't heard um, about that before. <laughs> yeah, no, it hasn't made the list. But but it's just fun to joke around about it. Why? Uh, yeah, the simple values that we are relationally based and that God provides through relationships has been my story. It's been my history. I love YWAM in the sense that you're invited in, and if you've done a DTS, you're encouraged to follow God, do whatever he says. I've been in for 33 years because it was a doorway into following what I felt God telling me to do. And a wonderful family of friends. And yes, it's loose, and yes, it is kind of easy in, easy out, but I am such a fan of the fact that I can do life with a sense of family and friends and youth with the mission. And that's never grown old. And I've been so, so grateful to stay in YWAM all these years. It's been great relationally. It's been great for my walk with God. I would highly promote it to anyone <laughs> who wants to look for a career. I would say do it in YWAM. Why not? It is really one of the best things, and it's really been fantastic for my walk with God. Amazing. Yeah, I've, I've been in YWAM now for three years, and uh, yeah, it's crazy, It's a, but it's fun, and I get that you're right, that sense of family, and I love it too. So That's awesome. <laughs> um, so we had a question actually about family, which is interesting um, because... Uh, you don't have a family, you're, like you're single, but I figured maybe you could still give us input into this. Uh, the question was, I feel called to missions, but my wife and my kids aren't interested in missions. How would you advise a person in that situation? Wow. I mean, obviously it's case by case by case. Um, first of all, I would hope that both that person and their wife and all their kids would all know they're all missionaries already. And so this call to do missions overseas or call to do, go to another country would really become secondary to just the joy of uh, following God. And you can do it there. It's just location that's the challenge. If it's about a location change, 
um, that you wrestle maybe you have one idea and your wife has another, then I would, one, just uh, give it time and see how time unfolds. Two, I would really jump into doing missional activity where you live, that it would become a lifestyle. And if God has for you to move to a different place, I think the fact that it's a missional lifestyle where you live would really help. Yeah, your spouse or whoever else needs to be a part of that decision to make that decision because it's just about living the way we are living rather than living a different way. And yeah, if changing location does bring up a lot of fear or insecurity in someone, I think it's super healthy to sit down and talk through those things. What is the challenge? Is it money? Do you feel like God doesn't have the best for our family? Do you feel like it's going to be too hard to be away from our parents or your parents? Or what is driving us to say no? And it has to do with a greater revelation of God that whatever God has called us to do as a family is best for us. The wife, the husband, the kids. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether we see it or not. It's just the truth. And so, yeah, we, we come in line with that truth the more we know God. But again, it starts with a real acknowledgement that we are already missionaries where we live. Yeah, agreed. I think <laughs> it's wise, wise answer there. So um, we had another question. What was your experience during this pandemic? And what is your perspective on what opportunities lie for Christians in this year, what God's doing in the midst of this? Uh, just curious what your take is. Oh, my goodness. Well, there's millions of views out there, and so <laughs> here's another one, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's been so hard. I think the biggest challenge to me is social distancing. I don't think it's human. I think it's very, very at the core, something very demonic on the earth, and that's just really made me really, really sad. Um, just to see the social distancing that's happening all over the earth. And yeah, I've been very, very sad to see all the economic challenges that's going on worldwide around the earth. Um, so many small businesses and so many people in so many parts of the world are struggling so much. And then, yeah, it's just been so sad that we've put such a high volume on all the the medical dramas of this situation, and yet the numbers don't add up to that. And so, yeah, we've had a lot of struggles with flu and other pandemics in the years of, of humankind, but yeah, I think the fear has just really been rampant um, on the earth through this. So social distancing, fear, and economic crisis to me are even a greater crisis than the pandemic itself. And so, yeah, I hope we in the future are going to walk towards being able to spend more time together. That's how humans are created, to be together. I think God wants to help us get over fear. And I wrote a book about it because <laughs> I'm just very aware how fear doesn't need to run our life. And I think even in these days, no matter how much fear there is in the air, no matter how much fear we face in a real time, real now in my life, or that we sense, it doesn't need to cause our decisions to change. 
I currently am walking through that in a big way personally as I, yeah, just was in Dubai. I'm going to Brazil. I was just in Mexico. I'm going to Europe, traveling all over the world. When, how can you do that in a pandemic? How can you do that with the situation? And all I know is that obeying God has not changed. It's not like on hold for six months. It's not like God's on vacation. And I love this journey of walking with God. Yes, there's challenges on the earth. Yes, there's a lot of chatter. But in my own journey, I'm walking away from listening to the media. I'm walking away from listening to other opinions. And I love just simply following God. God hasn't changed. He's awesome. He's in charge. I can tell you so many stories of what he's doing around the world. I think we're walking into the most beautiful yeah, future of seeing God move on the earth. And revival is coming. God is going to move. Great days are ahead. And it's where is our thoughts? Is our thoughts on the negative or on who God is and what he's doing? And that's where I live. And so I just get excited about the future. Yeah. And you've faced quite a few things in your life. Pandemic is not the scariest thing you face <laughs> by a long shot. And uh, one of the other questions that we had was, uh, and, and yeah, you wrote your book. What's the name of that book on fear? A Fresh Look at Fear. A Fresh Look at Fear. Um, but this question was, how do you overcome fear? What are some practical steps if you're in a situation where you're facing anxiety? Um, you've faced some really incredible things, uh, being in prison in Iran, um, being in and out of border crossings all over the world. Um, what would be like some practical tips? Obviously the tip would be get your book and read the book about fear, but what was something you can give us, you know, here as we talk about it? Well, thank you. Yeah. I would say why is getting over fear important? I would say that's probably the biggest reality is it's not that important. What I mean by that is the Christian life is to trust and obey. What keeps us from obeying? One of the biggest challenges is fears. So many people I hear talk about, I got to get over my fear so that I can walk in joy, so that I can walk in the fulfillment of what God wants me to, so that I can feel better, so that I won't struggle. All those things are met and are resolved in being a Christian, walking with Jesus. So I would say getting over fear is, is not that big a deal. Um, and the more I relinquish control, control being probably the biggest challenge in our world today, the more I relinquish control of having to figure something out, find out why there is fear, find out why I'm struggling with fear, how do I fix this fear, get over anxiety? Yeah, it's just about looking at Jesus. And it doesn't change from what I was taught as a young kid, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, you know, give all your cares to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the simple thing with anxiety and fear is run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need you. Thank you that I get to walk with you. Thank you that nothing's changed between me and you. Thank you that I get to do what you want. 
and let this thing about getting over anxiety and fear become less important. Why? Because God is more committed to make us like Jesus than we're committed to become like him. So it's a trust issue is that if I go after God and trust him, even if I feel anxious and still struggle with fear, in that place of simple obedience, God will take care of me. And in my own journey, the more I follow him, the less fear I have and less anxiety I have. And I haven't tried to get rid of fear or anxiety. <laughs> Sounds pretty simple. Just it, go into a different reality. Yeah, it's, uh, I hate to say it, but it is. I think it is that simple. It is really, yeah, if you want to get over anxiety and fear, don't try to get over anxiety and fear. <laughs> So yeah, just get more of Jesus, and the more you get of Jesus, the more it's going to overwhelm you, how beautiful he is, and good he is, and what he has for you, and that will have a side product, and that will be that anxiety and fear bothers you less. That's so, been my journey. So I'm curious, um, you, you talk about getting to know God, being friends with God, seeing his beauty. For someone out there that's like, okay, wh what does that mean? You know, what do, how do I do that? Like, I'm here in my bedroom alone. Um, I'm at work. Like, what does it mean? Do you have any practical advice on someone that maybe isn't aware of this idea of, of a personal close God, doesn't know how to approach God that way? Where do you start? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would start by simply saying up to God, God, I... I either believe in you or I want to believe in you or I want to believe that you're real. Please show that to me and let that be a prayer that doesn't have to have like an immediate answer, but over time, let God in. I would say as well, um, uh, enjoyment, I think, is a real part of this missing connection with God. And I would encourage people to say, God, I want to include you in what I enjoy. Because I think it's that simple that God enjoys us more than we enjoy ourselves. So invite God into the things that you enjoy. So invite God into the things you enjoy. Simply call out to him in whatever state you're in. And just look to him as much as you can saying, God, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. And that could be through worship music, could be through reading the Bible, getting around Christian friends making phone calls, maybe taking our mind off of negative things, onto things that maybe are more God-centered. But that's a journey for everyone that might be a little bit different. But I would simply say, invite God into the things that you enjoy and discover how much he's for you. And yeah, my prayer is that that would be a journey of great discovery. But at the end of the day, it will be a degree of faith. Yeah. That there needs to be a sense of faith that, God, I want you and I need you. And I would encourage people to go that direction. Yeah. I, my experience is not a quick journey, but it's, it's worthwhile. It's the only thing that's worth it. And uh, that's, that's great. Uh, what we put into us, what we consume, what we're around, what we think, that really affects us. And So true. Um, so true. I think the way we think about God... Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was that said the most important thing about you is what you think about God. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a simple place to start, but a really significant place in everyone's life. Yeah, you know, and I think it's just so helpful, again, to go to the simple reality that we were created by God and that he's for us. 
And that would, of course, come from the biblical narrative. But my prayer is that it would be people's experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a wonderful journey for me to discover that, as well as for many, many others around the world. Yeah. Well, it's been an immense pleasure having you here this week. I've really enjoyed getting to be down there and hearing your teaching. It's my first time Thank you. hearing you and Thank man, you. some amazing stories of God's provision. And I wish we had like the whole day and you could just tell them all here. Um, but my encouragement to you guys out there would be get his books. And um, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of your stories in your books. I haven't had a chance to read any myself, but then also do a DTS and come and hear stories from missionaries all over the world um, and maybe even hear from Dan. Thanks for coming here to Kansas City this week. I hope it's been a good time for you, and thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Such an honor to be here. Such an honor just to share my heart. It's great to be here in Kansas City and YWAM. Love being here. I, too, would just encourage people, come here, come do a DTS, or just get involved. Yeah, because God is moving, and it's beautiful. Yeah, so you're going to come back and teach on other DTS here? Oh, yes, I will. Yeah, those dates wouldn't be set now, but <laughs> for sure I'll come back. Jesus will bring you back. We, we pray and hope. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. If you're new here, subscribe, like, comment, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Great. Great to be with you. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to our YWAM Kansas City podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. If you are watching, please like, comment, share, and subscribe, and be sure to turn on our post notifications to catch our podcasts as soon as they're released. We'll see you next time.